now, brought to you by Ligaris Roasters, the coffee alchemists behind Gut Check Espresso. www.ligarisroasters.com Coming to you live, and by that we mean recorded in advance, from the Nakatomi Cigar Room in the capital city of a boxing glove-shaped state, it's the Gut Check Podcast, with your hosts, Ted Cluck and Zach Bartles. Hey, welcome to the Gut Check Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined as always here in studio, and by studio I mean the Nakatomi Smoke Lounge, uh, here in Gut Check North Command by Zachary Bartles, my good friend, my partner in radio. And Zach, uh, we have yet another episode to get to, chock full of uh, interesting meditations. I feel like we've uh, we've done a lot of work today intellectually. Like, in fact, we devoted the the whole morning to just kind of sussing yeah. some things out that needed to be that needed to be sussed out and talked about that um, because of a lot worked of reasons. Through. Yeah, worked through. We uh, looked at, as it were. Um, <laughs> we can't get into that on today's program, but I do have some interesting uh, stuff to lay on you about the restaurant where we had lunch. So uh, that touched off a whole conversation kind yeah. of about... Hipster culture. Persona, our wheelhouse. Persona, our wheel, exactly. And then we're going to wrap this thing up with uh, another chapter from Re-Raptured Again. Ted, can I pose a practical question? Of course you can. It's your program. Why does anyone write anything but Re-Raptured Again? Um, They're all misguided, you know? I feel like... Everything should be Re-Raptured Again. Everything should be Re-Raptured Again. And why are any of the characters in Re-Raptured Again not Carl Weathers? That's true. Absolutely. Well said. But I think that uh, if everyone else tried to do it, it wouldn't be special. You That's know what true. I mean? That's true. It's a gut check project. You know what's nice? What? Babe? By the way, I'm looking over the the, the table there, the the little IKEA table in the Nakatomi smoke room, and I see uh-huh. I see a new a new photograph. It's oh, about to be a, hung on the wall photograph. here. It's going to be hung right over where I'm sitting. A nice picture of a couple of a couple of classy gentlemen. That's right. At Tim's Fine Cigars, enjoying a couple of uh, fine smokes. Absolutely. I can't wait to get that up on the wall. I can't wait either, baby. It's going to make a great room that much greater. And uh, you, listeners, should be enjoying a, uh, a hot cup of Ligaris Roasters Gut Check Espresso. Uh, if you're not, <clears throat> just pause this, get online, <clears throat> order a bag, sit there doing nothing until it arrives. For four or five days, wait till it arrives. <laughs> Then brew yourself a cup. Savor the waiting. Then savor the waiting. And then savor the best cup of espresso you'll ever taste, uh, coupled with the best podcast you will ever listen to. Yeah. And that's there's no, um, what do you call it, hyperbole? Is there? that hyperbole? Am I kind of like pumping my own tires there by saying I that? I don't or? think you're blowing your own shofar at all, my friend. Yeah, I, I, would, believe. I would never blow my own shofar. Believe you me. And, and uh, I think that you'll find it to have been worth the four or five days of sitting quietly waiting. waiting. Um, and you've been very patient in waiting for us to get into the main content of this episode, Zach. And Summer of gut check. I want you to use your words and describe the place where we had lunch, but also the place where we got coffee yesterday. Um, and maybe we start this discussion there. Well, we went. We talked a little about it. Yeah. The, the deal with the place called uh, Strange Matter Coffee uh-huh. is that it began as a hole in the wall. Right. Which is a, a point of hipster pride. A point of hipster pride. You, you, you find some space in an old building, right? It goes as far back at least to the, the early mid-90s yeah. when to, find a, to say you'd been to a bar in L.A. was like bragging you knew how to find it. Yeah, exactly. Because there was no sign. Right. So it's that kind of vibe. And it was, it was in this um, you know, not quite gentrified yet stretch of downtown yeah. brick building. Actually, not even downtown. East side, which yeah. is you know, the, the not quite yet mainstream cool uh-huh. and inside you found a lot of exposed brick yeah you found the tables that are like a, you know the ends of them are all like knurled and rough hewn yeah, yeah. um it, you know there was like where you prop your feet up on like an old like water pipe somebody salvaged out of a house yeah and the whole thing had a very kind of uh it, it, not it, just it, hipster but like it was almost, almost like a '90s thrift store feel about it. Yes, yeah. right. But then there was the requisite pallet stuff. Yeah, sure. Um, and and like you know, reclaimed barnwood kind of the whole thing at a very. And of course, there's like tons of like wall hangings about like left of center political causes and uh-huh. you know bands that uh, you're not supposed to have heard of because right, right. then they wouldn't be cool anymore. Yeah. But then they moved across the street, and this is the one that we went to. Yeah. Into the ground floor of a brand new building. Mm-hmm. You are from this town. You know that in order to build that, they tore down some his, 
historic. Some really cool places. Yes. Some really very dude, my interesting favorite, building with yeah. very cool businesses in it. My favorite Italian restaurant to walk to back when we lived in that neighborhood was in that, that stretch that they tore down. It's very sad. People were not happy I bet that they were. were taking that down. And then this for this group to not be like part of the outrage, but rather part of like yeah. the corporatization and yeah. and art. Yeah, knock that down and put up another depressing rectangle, mixed use building yeah. with like you know, boring condo, yeah, and boring, then right. the ground floor is all businesses. So yeah. like next door to this place now is like you know some insurance broker or something. Right, right, right. And then next to that's a chain coffee place. Yeah. So we go in there and they tried to recreate that look. But without any of the like built-in history, right? That that sort of thing has, um, and so basically it was uh, the the tables were trying to look like the rough hewn deal, yeah. But they were it was a veneer. They were yeah. from like the IKEA of hipster coffee shops, right? Right. Uh, you know they had the chalkboard up, and uh-huh. what was the other thing I pointed out? That the was uh, the tiling, the specific kind of tiling. Along yeah, the wall. like the subway tiles, subway tiles. But, but it wasn't like. The old, like, kind of ratty. We, right. we 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 uncovered this, mm. and you know, and, and then they had like the fake tin ceilings. Like everything about it was like we put this up two weeks ago to yeah. look like it had been here for two hundred years. So it went from directly do not pass go, do not collect two hundred dollars from damn mm. the man to we are the man. Yeah. Um, and yet we will still sort of judge you for not being subversive enough when you come in here. Yeah, and that's definitely what happened with us. Which um, so to me the whole thing. It's almost like, and it was delicious coffee. It was very good. Ridiculously Which is good. why I didn't mind being marginalized for being heterosexual. You know, it, didn't, <laughs> it didn't bother me. But, but they, they took one look at me and they said, you have sex with a woman who's your wife. <laughs> this is the first time I've ever been in a sex scandal for having sex with my wife. You know what I mean? I'm like, surprised you didn't skate through because of the, the long hair, hair and, and the, blue the glasses. glasses. Yeah. yeah I, maybe I did. Maybe I did skate by on that, but I still felt judged. Partly because of my own guilt for being in a monogamous married relationship to my wife of 21 years. Well, you should feel like a jerk about that. I should. What a horrible guy. If you would have explained that you guys flew to Ukraine Mm. and adopted some children, you might have gotten back some more cred. Maybe. But maybe not, because, again, you adopted them into that very traditional setting. Right. If I'd explained that you and I flew to Ukraine and adopted some children together... Ted, you and I are close enough where I sometimes feel like we could walk into a strange matter type place, and if people didn't know us in our vibe, yeah. we might get like the the, the uh, automatic like ovation for being. Dude, we might. M- did we maybe misread it? We uh, might have misread the room. Maybe. I don't know. I, I think it was more contempt than. Maybe anything. they were thinking how courageous we were. Uh, it was contempt. It was. They, contempt. they weren't thinking we were courageous. They I can't even talk that- myself into it being not contempt. It was contempt. And and so that place had kind of a very hypocritical. Like style wise, aesthetic. Yeah, yeah. Like like you can't be mainstream, but no one's gonna believe this yeah. version of it. it. It reminded me of remember in the early Audis when every corner that didn't have a business on it, yeah, near a freeway ramp, put up like a Mexican restaurant, and you'd see like the steel I beams come up, yeah, and then the sad like layer of, of uh, styrofoam insulation yep. and then they'd slather on like the fake, fake adobe, adobe yeah. with the brick showing through. Nothing sadder than the fake adobe with the brick showing so through. So it's like the, the, the like appearance, the illusion, but no one would buy it that this building's been here for 220 years yeah. when you all saw it be thrown up over a weekend 20 minutes ago. And that was kind of the vibe. Yeah. Um, and yet, they had they, they it hadn't affected their superiority complex right. about being so authentic. Yes, that's right. They hadn't they hadn't let that stop them, as it were. So then, and, and again, amazing coffee, very good coffee. I don't think that's the kind of place I would go in and sit down. And, I used to go into the original Strange Matter and work on yeah. a little sermon, a little action. Um, I wouldn't feel comfortable in there. I wouldn't either. I feel like I was being judged the whole time for how. Uh, conservative and standard my life is but for uh, the place we went for lunch it was very different i felt very very welcome and i loved it loved it too very well they were like kind hipsters you know what i mean yeah and they they were like oh welcome but i feel like there they understood that their business model is dependent on guys like us that's that's a good bridge zach into a discussion of um the economies of towns this size Mm-hmm. And also the town that I live in, Jackson, Tennessee, is about the size of Lansing. So if you're talking and about a town that's big enough to have a hipster scene... It's big enough to have a hipster scene, but it doesn't yet have enough hipsters in it, nor will it ever, 
to fully to populate. fully fund all the hipster businesses right. that it has. So, so a, a city of maybe two hundred thousand or fewer. Yeah, sure. So between seventy five thousand and two hundred thousand, where there's a, a certain big city feel if you ch- if you seek it out. If you seek it out, and if you kind of convince yourself that there is. Yeah. And Jackson is like this. So, but I mean, you have a downtown with a skyline. You got a downtown with a little bit of a skyline. You probably got a little minor league baseball team situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you got a few of the... There's parking ramps that have the, the vertical P-A-R-K that sort of... Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Look, that look very similar to what you'd even see in Chicago and stuff. There's I like, like the vertical P-A-R-K. Also, yeah. what just happened there with um, your ankle and my and my foot? We're all good, dude. Don't worry about Yeah. Yeah, Maybe we should have had a great matter yesterday. They would strange have, matter. Strange matter. My bad. They great matter would be a better name. It actually. would be a better name. But yeah, they would have. Uh, they, would, they would have accepted us with open arms. Strange matter makes me wonder what they put in my coffee. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, but but okay. So 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 go on. Yeah. So the economies of these towns thrive on there being hipster establishments, i.e., the offbeat sandwich place where we ate today, where the food is prepared in a food truck, and then they walk it inside to a room where. <clears throat> Every table is either like an old, you know, Atari era video game or like a table that they've made out of pallets. And Making I, things out of pallets. I loved it. Yeah, no, I loved every second of it. That was phenomenal. However, Zach, and, and here's part of the strange, like, psychological calculus of this. And you can help me understand myself vis a vis this and help me understand you. I both loved every second of it, but part of loving it was be- feeling disdainful of it. Like, oh, what a hipster. You know, the, look at the pallets, and look at the repurposed uh-huh, barn uh-huh. door, and look at the, you know, uh, overly clever wall hanging, etc., etc. So part of my joy in it is making fun of it. But, and, and, While at the same time, totally embracing it. To describe that place, it mm-hmm. was much, much, much cooler mm-hmm. than either iteration of the coffee shop. Mm-hmm. It has, like, the standard, and I remember this going back to the mid-90s when I was in college, living in a, in a much bigger big city, yeah. where it was like... Anytime you went into a coffee shop or a cool restaurant, yeah. the art on the walls was all for sale. Yes. And it was by some like subversive like art student yeah. doing weird stuff. Yeah. And and it's fun. Yeah. So it was all like that. The ceiling was exposed ductwork and then there were yeah. these weird like canvas like triangles yeah. that were all kind of stretched out. Yeah. And then and then the really cool kind of lights strung all over uh-huh. the place. Uh-huh. And we walked in and I hadn't put this together yet. Yeah. But is part of, do you have to just fall into the food chain when you walk into a hipster place and either be disdained or disdainful, one or both? Yeah. You can't just go in and be content because that would fly in the face of the whole business model. That's such a good point. Yeah, you have to either be disdained or be disdainful. My question to you is, were we disdained or disdainful at the hipster sandwich place? Now, I will say this, at Strange Matter Coffee, we were disdained. We right. were looked down upon, and, and what's more, I was too nervous to fully enjoy being disdainful, which is what I would have normally done. You know what I mean? I wasn't, but yeah. I was only a reactionary type of disdainful. Mm-hmm. Like I would have been, I don't know. I would have been happy to be welcomed with open arms there. Sure, me too. Like we were at the sandwich shop. Sandwich shop. I feel like they rolled out the red carpet for us. You know what I mean? We and I feel like I, I, for a moment I walked in and was like, oh my gosh, hipsters. It's yeah, good food, yeah. but hipsters. Hipsters. The fact that everybody, instead of numbers, they give you a different tarot card yeah. to put on your table. But again, I was like, yeah, hipsters, but then I'm like, oh, that's really clever. This is so cool, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. You're like, you're like, it's almost, it's, you, you, I think you expect them all to miss the mark mm-hmm. because that's the norm. Yeah. When you land somewhere where they're not trying really, really, really hard, yeah. maybe that's the exception that proves the rule. I think where so. Where it comes out natural, the people aren't just automatic jerks. Yeah. They don't feel like they're all undiscovered geniuses. They're like, right. hey, we made an amazing place. And and maybe it's because we, we learned that one of our favorite hipster places in town, yeah, especially for you, yeah. um, had a connection to this. So this isn't someone who's new to the hipster gay, right, gay right, right. here. This is somebody yeah. who's... Yeah. Who's been around the block hipster wise? Hipster wise, they've been around the hipster block since the nineties. Yeah, you know, so it's yeah. very natural. Yeah, and they know they have no illusion that they can keep this thing going with just like punk rockers and yeah. and and you know the big bearded people and the yeah yeah, yeah. Or, or, you know the, the, the big beard oil guys the, yeah the beard oil guys that's what yeah. I'm going for yeah um so so there's no sense of you're not good enough to eat here Dude, or right. you are open arms so I think I think there's two things at play there. Um, one, there's an important distinction between products. So I think the fact that deep down in their DNA, 
a coffee shop realizes all we're selling is a cup of coffee. And it's it's nothing you can't make at home. Oh, you couldn't make that at home, dude. Dude, see, I disagree. Like, and, and maybe you and I are different in the in the coffee realm, but I enjoyed the cup of coffee very much that I got at, at, at Strange Gray Matter, whatever the... It's strange Matter. Strange Matter. Yeah, I enjoyed the Strange Matter coffee very much, but I've enjoyed every cup of coffee I've had here, you know? As much? Uh, it, it, see, it's hard for me to quantify. I've enjoyed it as much because I've enjoyed it here and there wasn't some uh, a-hole like judging me from, from behind the counter. You know what I mean? For, for not being like enough of a uh, rebel. For not being enough of a rebel. See, the thing I like about your house is that there's not a person here doing that to me. You know what I mean? <laughs> that you know of. That I know of, yeah. <laughs> if they are, they're, they're being very quiet about it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and I think another part of it here has to do with the, the mean age or the, or the, or the uh, yeah. median age yeah. in the place. Because I think when you are between uh-huh. 18 and 24, yeah. the weird thing is you're simultaneously aware mm-hmm. that it's a caricaturable uh, attribute thing of, that you're doing, yeah. That, that yeah. you're like, oh, I'm I'm deep, and no one's felt this way before, and I'm yeah. more authentic. And all those people who got older and sold out and got married right, right, and right. had kids, like you know that that's a thing, but you feel like you're the you're the one who's you're special, you're different to it now. And everybody in there was definitely like way way too cool for us. Yeah, for sure. And if I would have been. Nineteen twenty in there, I would and, and somebody my age would have walked in. Yeah, um, you know, I would have been, I would have been, I wouldn't have been a jerk about it, but I had to kind of roll my eyes. Yeah, what are, what are you doing in here, man? Why don't you go to Starbucks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so maybe the fact that it was more mature people running the sandwich shop that that builds into my second point. Okay, so my second point was I have an innate respect for hipsters who sort of cut their hipster teeth in the nineties. Because I feel like the 90s was the beginning of this sort of smug, disdainful, mm-hmm. kind of uh, uh, thrift store aesthetic. Um, so I, I feel like if you've been with this for the better part of 20 years now, you've been kind of riding with this aesthetic. Well, most you. of your, your uh, contemporaries let it go. Most of your contemporaries let it been go. Faithful. You hung on. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You go back to your college reunion, and they're all like managing hedge funds now. But you're still running like the hipster sandwich place, the food truck that's appended yeah. to the side of the. the Which, building. by the way, the sandwiches were phenomenal. Zach, it was Literally, the best sandwich. It's the best meal I've had in. I think months. it's the best meal I've had. Yeah, uh, best best you know uh, dining out experience I've had in a long, long time. Phenomenal. So uh, tip of the cap to those guys. Five stars to uh, Street Kitchen. Street Kitchen is the name of it. Street Kitchen in Lansing, Michigan. Uh, phenomenal job and not smug and disdainful, which we appreciate. And here's the thing. Like, obviously the politics in there are the same as the politics in the other place. Yeah, right. You know that going in, and if you're and if you're a jerk who can't stand to be around different kinds of people... Yeah, then don't then, go there. It's yeah, not for you. Go to, it's not for you, yeah. and you don't deserve the good coffee. I exactly. mean, come on. Or the so, good sandwich. Or the good sandwich. But the difference was, and I feel like this was the difference between the 90s proto-hipster and the current hipster. Okay. In the 90s, I remember going to a coffee shop with, with my wife, who was not my wife uh, yeah. when we'd go to it, um, and it had the big sign-up top to let you know on your way in that they were very proud to serve the LGBTQ community. First time I saw the Q, yeah. this is a college town, this is cutting edge, yeah, yeah. And, and I am neither, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm certainly not walking in going, well, then I want nothing to do with this. We went there right. every week. It was... Going out of its way to say this is an inclusive place for everyone to come. Yeah. And in that, I thought it was awesome. Sure. Because there were a lot of different, like, like weirdos that went to this college, because it was on a college yeah. campus. Yeah. And then there were a lot of, like, real nerds from the honors dorm. Yeah, yeah. There yeah. were a lot of, and, and, and everyone was just kind of in there, and they're all, and that was kind of like 90s and college, and 90s yeah. college in a nutshell. Yeah. But when you go into a place like the, the, the place we went uh, for coffee, and instead of the vibe being, this is an inclusive place where everyone can come, it literally feels like the opposite. Yeah, it does. It's like in the passing of the baton from the 90s to now. In its inclusivity, it becomes ultra-exclusive. One of the decades, one of the generations fumbled that baton and yeah. really dropped it. Mm-hmm. And, and so, yeah, there's this kind of, rather than, hey, let's just let's just be a very, uh, and, and, I mean... That was never my like the the drum I was beating. Yeah, yeah you know I wasn't yeah, I yeah. wasn't on the the nineties tolerance like right. like militia type yeah, thing. Sure, sure, sure. But but it was there was something there was something refreshing about it in in for what it was. Yeah, 
that that refreshingness was not present right in the atmosphere in this place we're talking about it, the it, coffee place the coffee place it was pre- it, it was yeah. present in the sandwich place i felt very welcomed you and i were dressed a little bit more middle-aged dad today than we were yesterday really if anything interesting maybe i don't know i'm wearing my michigan gangster shirt i feel like this is uh these Michigan Awesome shirts are something that, that yeah, dads yeah. do a lot That's of. That's a dad shirt, yeah, sure. Um, I don't know, at least as much. My shirt's a dad shirt, too. As well, your Happy Ranch shirt? Yeah. Yeah, I guess all three guys are dads. Yeah, exactly. Uh, as we uh, as we walked in, I didn't catch a single whiff of, oh, all right, well, we'll serve them, but... Yeah, I didn't They're either. not cool enough for this place, and, yeah, they're yeah. Not, and they're not leftist. In fact, I even said to the lady... Yeah, that was, this was funny. How'd that go? She said, uh, it was the tarot cards. She said, oh, we were a little bit worried at first that this would like a lot of people are offended. upset somebody, yeah, and yeah. it hasn't. I said, well, we're both uptight conservative Christians, and I think it's funny. And she didn't roll her eyes. She laughed. Yeah. And I was like, why can't everybody be more like this place when yeah. they're going to be hipster? Yeah. Be true to the original, like, alternatine, like, 90s... I mean, granted, there was the Rage Against the Machine, like... There were some really smug, obnoxious There was, the and, and we yeah, don't want to... Yeah. We're, we're idealizing it as we remember. We are idealizing it in our remembered selves, but. And there was a place, Ted, that we used to go in Grand Rapids uh-huh. called The Liquid Room. Yeah. It was on the corner of Plainfield and Leonard, uh-huh. which is right where uh, Plainfield becomes Division. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and now it's probably, like, very mainstream, but back sure. then that was a little bit of an iffy place to go. Yeah. And they had, we walked in, and it was all, like, mohawks, like the kind with spikes. Yeah. And there was there was a chain link fence on the oh, wall, yeah. oh. and everything it was very Ooh. dark, mm. and the, the names of the drinks, Erin was just asking about this, because she was writing an essay where she mentioned this. Uh-huh. There were the chemical, Ooh. sewer... Sewer. Stuff like this. <laughs> so granted, walking in there, and I would purposely get prepped up. Oh, sure. Even more than usual. So I'm Dude, walking you know in there with was? khakis and a golf shirt. and, and uh, Or no, there's a difference. It was a, yeah, it was yeah. a polo, not a golf, not, yeah, not yeah. The golf shirt material. But I'd, I'd go in there and, and want to, and, you know, because I was my yeah. own kind of smug. Yes, that's right. Want to be judged. Your and, reaction to being judged was to double down on, like, being the kind of person they would want to judge. Still is, actually. That was your defense mechanism. Whereas mine was... That was more of a sport for me, actually, than a defense mechanism, but... It was probably both. I think I didn't feel comfortable in coffee shops in the 90s. Really? Yeah, I was too big, like, lumbering jock-esque at that time to really feel like I could I could go there and relax enough to enjoy it. You were like, all the other people still have the arms on their flannel shirts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they still have the tiny arms on their body, you know. <laughs> they, they still can... barely have arms. They still their... barely have arms. Exactly. <laughs> So in that way, we're opposites. Yeah. Because I have enormous arms, but no arms on my flannel shirt. Exactly. But but like yeah. so there were I mean there were those places, but I feel yeah. like now it's just like the the wage gap. It's yeah. gotten wider. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Um, and and so we've gotten to the point where either you are full on like and and, and even with a place that has sold its soul to you know particle board with a with a. Photo, photo, faux, yeah, yeah, veneer on it. Yeah, yeah. There's, you either have to choose welcome the Klimpies anywhere you like, mm-hmm. or this is so insanely like, oh man, it's a it's a spiritual experience to come here. And it's like, yeah. uh, no, it's it was good coffee, but no, it wasn't. dude, it's fine. It's a cup of coffee. You know, it's some it's some you know very clean brushed wood tables. It's a coffee shop, the right. likes of which you see anywhere. Exactly. You're not that special. Exactly. You're not an idiot. Yeah. In, in that, Zach, it's the analog of a hipster kid who thinks he's super special, but truly he's not that special either. Because mm-hmm. everybody has that huge beard. Everybody listens to the same offbeat records you do. You're not that special. Right? So, yeah, <laughs> which is, I mean, I felt like, here's, here's a super swirly of irony. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was uh, really brilliant when I kind of came to the realization that in the 90s, uh-huh. in trying to uh, be nonconformists, yeah. this particular group of people... We were total conformists. Were total conformists. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, of course, even that is not in any way uh, unique. Yeah, right. But, like, yeah, when you're when you're at the Doc and Devo conference and you look up and you're like, which one's Joe Thorne? I can't tell. No. They're all Joe Thorne. Because there's 55 Joe Thorns in this room. No problem with you if that's the vibe you want. Yeah. Just don't be a jerk to me because I don't also have it, you know? Yeah, or that's Because right. I don't have something equally, quote-unquote, allegedly yeah. unique. yeah. Uh, the whole thing was... Dude, I you think, know what I think would be an amazing coffee table book for us to do? What would that be? Your wife's a photographer. What I would love to do is take 55 of these Joe Thorns 
and trace their transformation from <laughs> schlumpy <laughs> SBC, um, you know, a Southern Seminary guy in rumpled khakis and a, and a polo shirt and trace the steps that they took over a number of, and this would require access into like their family photo albums and stuff because we'd need, we'd need like four years worth of aggregate. Maybe. But, Some of those guys probably went away for a month and came back from sabbatical yeah. already. They and took were like, sabbatical oh, look, just... I had a real transformation. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, how many moves? What's mm-hmm. the average number of moves? How many moves? moves? How many wardrobe changes? What, um, what's the uh, record for largest number of moves and smallest number smallest of moves? Smallest number of moves. I would like, see, I would like to interview that guy. Mm. The smallest number of moves guy. And I'd like to interview the guy that's been working on it for like a decade. Doing you know, the, a the, piece here, a piece there. You know what? I need the footwork anyway. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and he says, "Honey, can I get some Red Wing boots for Christmas?" And she's like, "I don't know what's going on, but you know, it's a <laughs> it's a slow burn. You know what I mean, dude?" And he's probably got a moleskin jar with all like laid out. Yeah. Step yeah. one, step two, step three. Because yeah, mm. because he's a reform guy and he's very linear and and you know bounded set about it. But there's a little uh, assessment after each step. There's an taken. assessment. Yeah, there's a there's like a year end review. Yeah, right. <laughs> Exit interview. <laughs> let's let's talk about your progress for the year. Okay, you acquired a pair of Red Wing boots. Uh, your beard got an eighth of an inch longer. So it's a little. It could be now actually called bushy. That's right. So I that's think we're good. we're on a nice trajectory. The yeah. hair on your head is down to a four on the clippers. That's right. Yeah. Now we were talking earlier, uh-huh. and you said you're you're ready for the beard thing to be done. Yeah. You're ready for like that persona to go away, uh-huh. and I feel like this is not unlike you know a refugee crisis or something more <laughs> significant. In yeah. that you can't just say we're done. No, where are these people going to go? You know they're yeah. not going. They went from regardless of what you think of that of that yeah. aesthetic. Yeah, they all look infinitely cooler than they did before. Yeah, yeah, you, you're in right. That they are in the cool. sense that they. Are they cool though, or do they just look cool? You know because, what I mean. Well, yeah, they look cool. Is what yeah, I mean. yeah, yeah, yeah. But you can have like a gut. Yeah. But if you have that going on, then it's a Grizzly Adams kind yeah, of hipster. Yeah. What they've done, Zach, and this this is the elegant, beautiful thing about this. What they've done is created a category that didn't exist five years ago, and I'm going to tell you what that category is: the fat hipster. Uh-huh. Yeah, five you used years to have ago, to be you had to be wayfish, willowy little guy. You had to be a tiny, say, willowy yeah. little guy. But now you can be a fully fat guy yeah. with a huge bushy beard and, 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 and a flannel shirt, and you could be a fat hipster. So, again, maybe maybe this is a tip of the cap. You know, thank you, Sojourn uh, Church Planning Network or, or this movement for kind of ushering this aesthetic in and giving fat guys a place to, to kind of be cool. You know See, what I mean? I, but why is it that I don't feel any need to, like, gravitate toward that spot where I could... Uh... Yeah, to me it's practicality coupled with. I've always been leery of the, the abrupt overall persona change. Mm-hmm. Like I go home from school in the spring and I'm like, you know, North Face REI camping guy, and I come back three months later and I'm like, you know, grunge guy or I'm 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 hedge fund guy or whatever. You know what I mean? Can, can we pin in that a minute while I ask you a personal series a series of personal questions? No, no, of course, yeah. Because we were looking at some photos. I was reminiscing. I got a little misty earlier. Yeah, you did. Because I was looking for which picture I wanted I to too, print though, out and put up on a thing. Yeah, yeah. And I'm looking at some pictures of you from 08, 09. Yeah. Incredibly clean cut dude. Yeah. Um, your glasses were like, you know... Uh, that was before these glasses became a thing, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? But, but like, I remember you saying to me, I'm going to grow 90s hair. Yeah. And I didn't know if that meant like Leonardo DiCaprio 90s hair or what yeah. it meant. Yeah. Let's but but within six months to nine months, uh-huh. you did look quantifiably different. Yeah. There had been a transformation. Yeah. But were you worried about that? That it was going to look calculated? I wasn't because in my mind's eye, and I could be I could be completely wrong about this, so I'll preface it with that. But in my mind's eye, all I was doing was readopting the persona that I had I had, had in the mid to late nineties. But Garfield eyes, uh, Ted, and shortly thereafter, no, 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 the one the one right after Garfield eyes though was long nineties hair, uh-huh. flannels, work boots. Uh huh. So okay. I, I was I was in a sense going back going to home. I was going home. Okay. I was going home into that persona, but I could see Zach on the outside. It could look a bit abrupt. You know what I mean? I mean, it didn't feel uncomfortable for me. Uh, I don't care what you look like, man. I'm not going to strange matter judge you. All we right? had a guy at my university um, 
I teach at a, at a Christian college, a Baptist school in Jackson, Tennessee. And um, this guy, like a decade ago, was your classic, you know, kind of schlumpy SBC seminary guy. You know what I mean? Rumpled khakis, uh, polo shirt. I feel like most of the time they have pressed khakis, but you keep saying rumpled. Maybe their person is rumpled. You know what I mean? <laughs> like their actual, their, 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 their psyche is rumpled. Their physique is rumpled. Okay. You know what okay, I mean? I gotcha. Like, like they're just a rumpled person. And, uh, <laughs> so anyway, there's this guy and he's not, he's not at the school now, so he's not like a colleague or anything, but, um, he's now in fact the president of King's College in New York City, but he had this total paradigm shift in which I think he quit eating food. So he got super wafy and he completely retooled his wardrobe, everything super skinny and fitted. Huge glasses, like big Harry Carey hipster glasses, the kind of uh, ironic pompadour, you know, the whole thing. Completely reworked his persona, um, kind of became a little bit of a rock star professor on campus, got a book deal, and now he's the president of King's College. Well, I wonder if maybe, I mean, you lose weight, you got to buy new clothes anyway. Sure. Maybe he was like, this is a natural time to reevaluate. Am I just buying these things because I've always been like this, or is this really who I want to be and what I want to yeah. look like? You know who had a similar thing? Who? Dr. James White. Okay, interesting. He, he wasn't heavy and lost weight, but I'm talking about, yeah, like, yeah. you go back and look at him um, before he was a superstar. Okay. He was just a very kind of gaunt, really dorky, 90s ties, uh-huh. you know, bigger glasses, dorky, like, standard uh, Baptist professor haircut. Sure. Now, you look at him, he's rocking the eye. He's, he's first of all, he's quite jacked. This yeah. guy's like this guy. He didn't pull a furtick or anything, but yeah. he bikes and he lifts and everything, and it's it's quite public. So okay, and so, he's and he's now wearing like um, when he's not showing himself in like his like biking gear, oh. he, he's wearing the like real the, not real tight, but but fitted fitted shirt with with yeah. the uh, ironic bow tie. Okay, or the yeah. semi ironic bow tie and, uh-huh. and the and the cool like brow line glasses. Yep, yep. And and I feel like in doing that, he greatly expanded his. Youth audience because yeah. they were like, huh? Oh, 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 wait! But this guy, this guy that I've always known, like knows Koine Greek like the back of his hand. Also, is cool now, dude. Why are all pastors like super obsessed with getting jacked and, and ripped and, and doing like crossfitty stuff now? I think maybe. And what's more, not just doing it, but like being very public about how they're doing well, it. Well, that's that's uh, like it's just a function of the world we live in. Well, I was gonna say doing crossfit and being public about it is ridiculous. Yeah, that's one and the same. That's like right. saying doing crossfit. Yeah. yeah. But but I think maybe part of it is that you only see it in the very big public guys, and they probably all have consultants telling them, "Yeah, do this. You People know, like it, or whatever." Maybe you'll, you'll exude more success. Yeah. And since you're selling success, yeah. And I'm not saying James White is that, but I'm saying yeah, like yeah. in general, maybe, or maybe part of it is they really do like Dave Ramsey. We were talking about earlier. Yeah. He was like a, a fat guy. Yeah. When I first started working for Family Christian Stores, he looked like Costanza. Yeah. And I think he just was like, "Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm rich." Well, I think yeah. more, more, well, Wait, at please. least his, the official story is, I'm telling people that I'm selling this product that has everything to do with self-control. Yeah. I, I It's hard to do when I walk out there yeah. and I'm all punchy. Yeah. That I've got to actually be able to walk out and be like, look at me, I run marathons and, and I apply the same level of intensity to helping you get out of debt. Can I say a, an authentic thing? Yeah. That's based on no... Uh, actual personal interaction at all. So I've, I've never met Dave Ramsey, never shared a meal, never been in the same room as Dave Ramsey. Well, you haven't paid enough money to. But zero percent of me likes Dave Ramsey <laughs> or anything about him at all. Really? Yeah, zero. I find the idea of that of just that whole thing preying on people's financial insecurities like repellent. I, I and have what's to... more, building your persona and building an empire based on the financial insecurities mm-hmm. of others. And now your your financial security is to the point where like you could buy Panama. Yeah, you could literally buy like all the people that you that you're selling products to. Dude, I have to confess that that yeah. I've been to four Dave Ramsey events. You're I, not alone in that. I used I mean, to most daily listen to his program. I've got all of his books upstairs. Yeah, nice. Like, but and I know all the concepts. Yeah. And yet we're we're not uh, on our yeah. on our way to becoming wealthy based on them because yeah, right. I think it's a matter of it, it's like. Somebody becoming super famous saying, hey, I got a great way to lose weight. Yeah. Burn more calories than you eat. Right, right, right. Yeah, I knew that, you idiot. Yeah. How do I get the willpower to do it when I've used my willpower up, not strangling my boss today? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so, I mean, I don't, I don't, 
I don't know. I, I, I don't like him as much as I did back then. I'll tell yeah, you that. It's yeah, going in the yeah. other direction. Sure. When you see like the, the pictures of like, uh, here's Dave Ramsey's new shower and his new mansion, and it's like, yeah. it costs 70 grand. I'm like, well, I mean, on one hand... He's posting pictures of his new shower? I remember this being a thing. Oh, for... Years ago. It was like the, one of those like rainforest showers yeah, of course, and, and yeah. like the robotics yeah. like in the AI. Yeah. Like your shower was like a non-judgmental like other being. Is he married? Yeah. Interesting. And he's got uh, he's got kids. Um, I actually knew someone at the, the publisher I was with who had gone to high school with his daughter, who's okay. now just as famous as him. Uh, her really? name's Rachel Cruz. She writes books. Um, Judas. And, and apparently, like even way back then, she had a really nice car, and it wasn't like Daddy had, had bought it for. He was like, "Oh no, no, no! You're gonna save and do all the stuff. You got to at least tip of the cap to the guy for being consistent with his his principles." Are like. He would he would rather die than, than bend or break them than borrow a dime or you know waste something. Although I don't know, is a seventy thousand dollars shower or whatever a huge waste of money? Probably. Yeah, really. You need a seventy thousand dollars rainforest shower. Maybe he did when he was like huge, but like now, <laughs> yeah, yeah. now he could shower in a you know he, he could shower in like a the, like a shoebox, you know. <laughs> Dude, can I bring up one more thing that we talked about when we were coming out of the uh, the Strange Matter coffee yeah. shop? And then let's read the chat. Oh, heck yeah. The question I raised was, did you see the barista's shirt? I did not, but you explained it to me. The shirt had the standard, like, praying hands clip art thing. Mm-hmm. Like, not the interlaced fingers, okay. but the, like, straight yeah, karate like, chop yeah, hands put right. together. Often associated with prayer anywhere. Right. Often makes me think of the Lord's Prayer. Yeah. No, yeah. And around it, it said, thank you for nothing. Oh. And I asked you, uh-huh. are there at your Christian college, or have there been in the years that you've been there, yeah. students who, thinking they're being edgy and rebellious, mm-hmm. would actually walk out of the dorm or into class wearing such a shirt? And you said, uh, absolutely I- yes. Yeah. But I would qualify it with this. That was more of a thing at Taylor where I went to college. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah it was more of a thing there, at Taylor. And when I, where I went at Cornerstone, there were there were those people. Absolutely. Sure, sure, sure. And so in, in my question, my follow-up question to you is, as we were discussing that subset of person, like if you feel that way, why do you go to Taylor or Cornerstone to begin with? You know what I mean? And you said... I said either A... Mom and dad said we'll pay for college if you go to a Christian mm-hmm. college because we think that'll straighten you out, mm-hmm. quote unquote. Or B, you go there in order to be that edgy, like, yeah. ooh, look at me. Because if you went to Central Michigan University yeah. and you wanted to be the edgy, crazy guy that like everyone's like, wow, subversive. You'd have to do like heroin. Oh, you yeah. Know? I mean, so you'd have to make some really work. dark choices. Yeah. yeah. You'd have to like murder people. Dude, at Taylor, you can wear a t shirt. Yeah. And, and right. you're that and guy. And everyone's like, yeah. oh, that guy, watch out, he's dangerous. And you're getting all the credit for being that guy. <laughs> Yeah. I will say tip the cap to those guys though. Like they found they found something that worked. You know what I mean? Like persona wise, they Did found it. something that I don't know. I, I think for that guy it got them a certain amount of like social traction that they probably wanted. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, probably like they, they were they were seen as like Ooh, I don't know about that. Not not the guy in the PG movie that yeah. you really want to make. This the guy guy's in the not, rated R. This guy's movie. In the, no, not rated R. Yeah, because this yeah. is Taylor. Or the Gordon guy in the PG thirteen movie. Actually, maybe we, we we wheel it back and say not the guy in the rated G movie. That's right. But the guy in the PG movie that you're really not sure about. Yeah. Let me bring up one other iteration of that. Sure, sure. When you get to seminary. Yeah. And you're at a conservative seminary. Are there are there still those guys? Clearly, you don't have the guy with the shirt that says "Thank you for nothing." Well, I don't course, think yeah, there's yeah. a god. But there's always the guys who choose to go to the conservative seminary. Who are reading like Brian McLaren. And then, yeah, they're raising their hand in the back and the professor's like, oh, this again. Yeah. So it's like the opposite dynamic of being in a geology class at U of M. And and the fundamentalist kid keeps raising his hand saying, yeah, but Noah's flood. But this is like, yeah, so so constantly trying to push toward like a super like classical Protestant liberal view of things. Yeah. And the profs are, I've never heard one say... Dude, what are you doing here? Why'd you come to Cornerstone? Right. Why, yeah, why'd you come to... There are so, you could have gone right. to any number Yeah, pick of any other, liberal seminary. You could have gone there. And there are some know? that are like world famous, like yeah. amazing schools. Right, right. Is it that it's just easier to get in here? Or what? I mean, what right. was the, or did you like have your little transformation your after yeah, you started? Yeah. Right, or, right. Yeah, I found that to be a weird dynamic. It is. It's very weird. It's very weird. 
Well, Zach, we have uh, we reached a point in Reraptured again where some very weird things are starting to happen to our main characters. So speaking of indeed, weird, yeah, and speaking of persona changes, to be honest, because I think I think Doctor Van Trimpey is going through a little bit of his own identity stuff as we it's move a through crisis, this novel. If you will, yeah. Duke Morrison's about to go through some real heavy identity stuff. We're about to reveal some things about his character in the subsequent <laughs> chapters. I don't remember <laughs> where it, it pops up exactly, but. Um, the whole, yeah, the, the whole narrative is kind of moving south uh, geographically in that we are uh, moving kind of away from the, the greater Denver and, and New York City metro areas and into, um, into Florida. So um, should we hop in here? With Let's chapter do this. 13? Absolutely. Okay, chapter 13 is called The Villages. All right. So this is one that you wrote yeah. after a trip to The, the Villages. villages. <laughs> That's right. I remember you also wrote... A really Blistering. funny but depressing essay, yeah. more straightforward about it. And you were like, I can't use this anywhere without Correct. burning some bridges, so let's make it satire. Let's make it satire. Let's put are. it in a novel that no one who I'm close to would probably <laughs> ever read. And, and that's the elegant solution to the whole thing. All right, I would like to be um, Edith's husband, if he has any words. Oh, yeah, Blake Ashcroft. He has the first quote in the whole thing. Here we go. Yeah, be that guy. Oh, here's the first. Okay, so chapter 13, The Villages. If you want to hide something from your wife in the villages, put it in the oven, says a male resident of the villages named Blake Ashcroft. There is guffawing all around. None of the women cook here because we're so busy, his wife Edith Ignatius Loyola Ashcroft explained, without (laughs) even a hint of irony. She has never cooked in her life, actually, unless you count gas station burritos heated up in a microwave. But still... The Villages is, are, an upscale <laughs> retirement community situated in the swampland 45 minutes north of Orlando. There are no geographic features or significant bodies of water nearby. The nearest beach is two hours in either direction. There is the heat and also the humidity. There is the Florida Citrus Museum, which appears to be a repurposed gas station. <laughs> is that real? That's real. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's not much, says Edith. We checked it out. <laughs> The Villages boasts 80 swimming pools, a variety of impeccably manicured golf courses, shuffleboard, tennis, almost nobody plays because of pickleball, pickleball, (laughs) tiny tennis court, wiffle-type ball, billiards, line dancing, bocce, and cornhole. There is live entertainment 365 days a year in each of the village squares, which squares are themed faux-charming affairs done up to look western or 50s or whatever the theme requires. The omnipresent flowers are unearthed and changed every four months like clockwork so that the landscaping always looks new. Newness is a core value here. Six months ago, there were no houses on this street, Ashcroft barks. All of the sod looks freshly placed, and villages' residents must spend in the millions of dollars collectively on simply watering their grass. (laughs) Edith's house is on barrel loop and smells new, like building materials and paint. Marble and tile abounds. The homes are technically beautiful, but they have all the charm of a mausoleum. (laughs) All of the golf and swimming has made the already wiry Edith even more wiry. The climate down here and the culture, emphasis added, of Central Florida (laughs) agrees with her. Culture meaning the dizzying array of lower back tattoos, cheap cartons of cigarettes, and lawn sculptures available. Edith loves the fact that Leonard Skinner passes for classical music down here, (laughs) and that her nice pair of cut-off jean shorts passes for dressy, at the fancier villages restaurants. Oh she was made for this. In Central Florida, driving a really loud motorcycle without a muffler and blasting really loud music from said motorcycle is considered elegant and cool. <laughs> Florida seems to blend all of Edith's passions, loud motorcycle riding, tattoos, tanning, and cigarette smoking in one place. This must be heaven. <laughs> After what she refers to as the incident in Denver, she married a litigator named Blake Ashcroft, whose company secured all of the legal contracts in the wake of all the gunfire, grenade explosions, neck chips, and Sega controlling happening in Denver. It turns out you can't addle a man with machine gun rounds or create an underground lair in a stadium without also creating mountains of paperwork. Nobody thinks of that when they're planning the rapture. <laughs> it's all floating upward in Antichrist speculation. Ashcroft's firm handles the real business of the end of the world. Ashcroft made millions off of those mountains of paperwork. He now spends his days playing golf and washing his golf cart and telling insipid stories, all of which have to do with the villages. 
As it turns out, Ashcroft didn't really have a dog in the rapture fight at all. He's an atheist. He just saw an opportunity while other men were seeing false messiahs. The music here is suicidal and eerily omnipresent. It plays on a village's FM station in which wrist-slitting songs, think <laughs> the Carpenters, are interspersed with villages-centric propagandish interviews. Example, what's your favorite thing about the villages? <laughs> I'm going to look for golf balls, honey. Ashcroft shouts on his way out the door. His voice is faintly Kermit the Frogish. <laughs> what he sees in Edith is unclear, given that he's a millionaire many times over, has a degree from Harvard Law, and could ostensibly snag any manner of younger arm trophies. Ashcroft himself is nothing to look at. He's shorter than average, there's the voice thing, and then also <laughs> the fact that he's pathological, pathologically uninteresting and growing more so with each passing day. They met a year ago at a village's shuffleboard mixer that turned into a Viagra-fueled orgy. Oh my gosh, that's dark. It's so dark. Is that is that uh, true to life as well? Yes, there's a lot of that happening. There's down. a lot of horrible stuff going on in the village. Horrible stuff. With a veneer of like... With a veneer of like, yeah, propriety. Uh, at the time, Edith was living across Florida Highway 44 in a trailer park, <laughs> but had finagled her way into a village's guest pass. What finagled means in this case is that she stole it from a guy's <laughs> wallet. <laughs> She could, see the, <laughs> she could see the seductive vanilla light of the villages from her trailer and fell asleep to the faint wails of nightly live entertainment. By God, she would live there someday. I'm going to have to ask you to extinguish that cigarette that's dangling grossly from your lips, Ashcroft said when he first met her. There's no smoking in any of the village's 112 unique communities. She cocked an eyebrow. Instead of extinguishing the cigarette, she removed it from her mouth and placed it in Ashcroft's. <laughs> The cigarette's filter was ringed by a shade of Nicki Minaj-branded lipstick called Sifa Lipstick. <laughs> I think more than any other thing that I've ever written, I'm the proudest of Sifa Lipstick. <laughs> he coughed a couple of times. She took the cigarette back before extinguishing it on her forearm. Oh, gosh. My skin has the consistency of leather. She growled. They were engaged three months later and were married in a civil ceremony at a Jimmy Buffett cheeseburger in Paradise <laughs> restaurant. In Ocala. I'll be at book group when you get back, she says, waiting for him to click the door shut, before gathering her notebooks and loading her golf cart. She's writing a novel, <laughs> a dystopian future thing about a perfect society that actually makes everybody who lives there dumber. She's about 30,000 words in and has joined the village's writing group, which is mainly populated by women who are writing memoirs about how hard it is when their adult sons get married. <laughs> She's especially excited about today's book group. There's a visiting author, some guy from New York who used to host a television program. She knew a guy like that once. She throws her golf cart into park in front of the Beachcomber Community Center. Though to be fair, it's really like, really less of a throwing motion and just something that happens when you step on a golf cart break. <laughs> As she walks toward the community center, she sees a tall man in a pink Greg Norman golf shirt tucked into a pair of Docker shorts. The man's knees sport the telltale bulge <laughs> of titanium. <laughs> He appears to be signing old copies of his Rapture 88 book for a group of ladies. Well, 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 she says. Van Shrimpy. Never thought I'd see you again. This isn't entirely or even kind of true, given that she knew Van Shrimpy was coming, and has in fact been texting Van Shrimpy for a couple of weeks. She's not a great texter. He doesn't understand that just ending a sentence with a period means that you're mad. <laughs> Edith, on the other hand, uses a ton of emojis. Hello, Edith. Van Shrimpy says, taking good care of that lawyer who absconded with most of my money. She laughs flimmily and, <laughs> and actually eats the cigarette butt wedged between her lips. Van Shrimpy grimaces and then says, never wasteful. I like that. The nicotine stimulates my digestive tract, she says. It's cheaper than probiotics. How do you like it down here in paradise? Van Shrimpy furrows his brow. It's 112 degrees with 93% humidity and all the houses look exactly the same, he says. I've got dinner at 4.30 at a sushi parlor named Cowboy Bob's. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then I'm doing karaoke until I hit the sack at 9. How do you think I like it? She smiles. Sounds perfect to me. How are our plans coming together? What plans, he replies. The only plans are the ones taking place underneath that nicotine yellow pile of hair. He smiles a little at the cleverness of his little barb. Oh, that reminds me, she says. She lifts up a pile of said hair to reveal the back of her tanned cheek. 
chickeny neck. <laughs> <laughs> on it is <laughs> on it is a tattoo that says "Implant Chip Here." Van Shrimpy grimaces again. Now, now is that beneath the barcode tattoo that we established before? <laughs> it is. Oh my! You know that's permanent. He says, "Tim." He cuts her off. You can call me Dr. Van Shrimpy. Okay, Dr. Van Shrimpy. Listen, I saw your work on our day. Yeah, things didn't go as planned, but I saw the way you controlled Strongbow. Since that day, I've dreamed of being controlled in a similar way. My neck is ready for your chip. I will be your soldier. He sighs. Edith, I'm a novelist now. I don't know what you're talking about, he says. She pauses for a moment. The ladies are gathering their plastic chairs into a circle and arranging a podium for Van Shrimpy. He's giving a talk about writing your pain, and the room is full. He starts to turn away. Tim, she says forcefully. I know about the babies in New York, and I'm doing some research down here you might be interested in. He drops his notes and begins clicking his pen on his titanium (laughs) kneecaps, which is something he always does when he's nervous. What kind of research, he asks. I'll just cut right to the chase, she says. Living down here makes you dumber. Blake was a Harvard Law graduate and a star litigator. Now he asks the chef to cut up hot dogs to make inside his calzones at nice Italian places. I have other evidence. His IQ has dropped significantly since he moved here. I know because I get him to take a Cosmo IQ test every three months. I'm listening, Van Trimpey replies. A matronly woman in a helmet of hair motions him to the podium. He gives her a dismissive wave. Your opponents, of which there are many, Edith says. We run them through here, we get them down to the villages, and we dumb them down. Ooh. Man, Sinister planned from one Edith Ignatius Loyola Ashcroft. That's, uh, <laughs> things, are, things are really starting to pop now down in the villages, man. They're starting to heat up, as it were, which is a pun about the heat and the humidity. We were going to make uh, change it to, like, the Hamptons or something. Uh-huh. Or the municipalities, I don't remember, but we didn't get around to it. And no one would have known what we meant had we changed it a little bit. Yeah, right. That's a common thing in fiction writing, you know? <laughs> you change one word slightly and then, it's, you know, then you're being completely coy about the content. That would otherwise be offensive. Baby, should we wrap this up? Let's wrap it, baby. Okay, let's do it. This has been the Gut Check Podcast, in which we have discussed hipsters and read a chapter of our uh, groundbreaking new Rapture novel. We will see you next time. Crimson flow